Exodus chapter 20 tonight, Exodus chapter 20. As we started our Bible study last week on these Ten Commandments, we're going to be focusing on this evening, Exodus chapter 20. We actually may back up just a minute to, to uh, Exodus chapter 19. As we look at this first very important commandment we find in the Bible. Let's, yeah, let's look back up and just go back to 19, chapter 19 and kind of get our context of where we're at. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 18. Remember there are children of Israel at the Mount Horeb. They've been there for a few days. And they're preparing to get the, the law from God. The law from God. And we mentioned, talked about this a little bit last week. But look at, let's look at chapter 19, verse 18. The Mount Sinai was altogether smoke because the Lord descended upon it on fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. The whole mount quaked greatly. Mount St. Helens, when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. The, the Lord came down upon the Mount Sinai and the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain. Moses went up. The Lord said to Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. But the priests also, which come near to the Lord, sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the Mount, and sanctify it. The Lord said unto them, Away, get thee down, thou shalt come, thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee, but let not the priests and the people break through to come up. Come up unto the, the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So, the, so Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them, verse 1, chapter 20. And God spake all these things, all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. First commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Father, we thank you. For your precious word. Thank you for these Ten Commandments. We're really the fabric of our society. How we have failed recently in keeping these laws. Because of that, we have chaos. We have destruction in our, in our cities all around us. The lies, the covetousness, the theft, the murders, the adultery. The not honoring God on his day. The, key, the, the causing of many words be spoken in the Lord's name in vain. Oh, Lord, we see these things and we're sad that our society is crumbling. And it's, it's, it's crumbling because it's not kept your law. It's not kept your word. To the degree, God, we keep your words. To the degree, we will have blessings in life. To the degree, we deny your word and follow our own ways. To the degree, we fail. And our society in much part, has failed because we've rejected your word. And we're a land of no gods or the God of humanism and evolution. God, I pray you'd help us, Lord Jesus, turn back to you personally in our own life, no matter what this world does, help us to turn back to you. And by the grace of God, choose to have no other gods but you as our God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So God gave us his Ten Commandments to show us his holiness, his righteousness, and the sinfulness and the weakness of man. It's a member, we talked about this at length last week, it's a schoolmaster, obviously these things can't save us, 
keeping the laws, even if we could keep the laws, which we can't, it's impossible, especially this law. Every one of us probably broke in some way this law this, that today. Every one of us probably in some way and somehow probably broke this law today. For sure, no doubt, every one of us this week. When you chose yourself or something else over God, it is the most difficult of all of them because basically it's saying, I have to choose every day and every decision to put God before me. And that is a struggle because even at our best, we want what we want when we want it. Even Paul the Apostle, you read it in chapter 6, chapter 7, he struggled with the same thing. One of the greatest Christians that ever lived. And we, we all struggle with this basic, this basic want to please ourselves, to do what we want. We don't like to be told what to do. We don't like authority. We don't like any God but us. We make ourselves our own God. And so that's why we need these commandments, these restraints, these helps in our life to bring us to the point where we see we cannot do this and fall on the grace of God because without the grace of God, we cannot survive this life. We cannot survive. These laws are important to any society, and thankfully, our society, the American society, has been based on these. And if anybody tells you, no, that's a bunch of hogwash, they're probably listening to the wrong people. Our society was based on these Ten Commandments, and still supposed to be based on these commandments. And as Brother Pete showed at the, at the Supreme Court, Moses is there. He used to be, Moses and Ten Commandments used to be, for remember you old-timers, used to be everywhere. You used to be in the schoolhouse, uh, jails, prisons. Everywhere you go, you'd see the Ten Commandments. James Madison, the founder of the Constitution, said, We have staked the future of all our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. So as I said, to the degree we keep these commandments, to the degree there's blessing, but to the degree we've failed in that, it's the degree we've, we've, we've struggled. And what, is, what did Jesus say? Even back in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus answered him, the lawyer who questioned him about the first commandment. He said, the first of all commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Basically saying, I'm first. I'm first. So let's take a closer look at this first commandment. First of all, consider its position. First of all, consider its, its position. It's the first command and thus must be very important and critical in our relationship with others and with God. It's listed first because it's the foundation of all true religion. It's the foundation of all true religion. If we do not worship the Lord, we worship in vain. We all worship something. Every one of us are worshiping something. Worship is how you spend your time, how you spend your energy, how you spend, how you spend your life. What have you been worshiping this last week? Some people worship the God of work. Some people worship the God of pleasure. Some people worship the God of fun. Some people worship the God of family. Some people worship all types of different gods. What do you worship? What do you worship? What do you love? What do you put on a pedestal above God? Without Christ, of course, we have nothing. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me you can do 
Nothing. We can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. So he's everything. If the Lord is not first in our life, then we're wasting our life on trivial, meaningless, paste pearls on nothing. This commandment's first because this is the bait that Satan used to lure Eve into sin. It's a very effective trap that men continue to fall into today. Remember Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. The serpent said to the woman, Yea, you shall not surely die, for the God did not know in the day that you shall eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And that's the devil's desire to deceive us, to divide us to depress us, and ultimately to destroy us. He's into dividing and conquer, and he's doing it in homes. He's doing it in churches. He's doing it in nations. He's doing it in worlds. He is successful. He is successful. He has a great success rate, but his doom is coming. Because we read in the book, in the end of the book, he'll be cast in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and hallelujah to that day. We look forward to it. The desire to be a God destroyed mankind's fellowship with the Lord. Obedience, remember, brings blessing when we obey God and we fellowship with him, when there's sweet communion with God. And that should be your desire every day, to commune with God. As Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God, they had sweet communion before their sin. That should be our desire every day, to have communion with him, to have fellowship with him. That should be our our longing. That should be our want. That should be our desire, our chief desire. Your chief desire should be want to long to spend time with your Lord. That should be a continual thing. It should be a regular thing. It should be a passionate thing. Something you want more than anything, more than anything, more than any hunger, more than any desire, more than any thirst, more than any want. It should be your thirst to know God. I encourage you to read the Bible, but outside there's other great books by A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy. He said in The Knowledge of the Holy, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. What do you think about God? When the word God comes up, what do you think about? Do you think about someone who's been good to you, who's helped you, who's guided you, who's blessed you, who's given you strength? Or you're thinking about that old man, an old man upstairs with a big stick and a long beard who's about to beat you upside the head. What's your view of God? What's your view of God? Oh, if we, if, we, if we abide in him and obey him and love him and fellowship with him, how sweet it is. I read some verses like Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thy heart. Thy, the maker, our creator, knows what's best for us. It does not say he's going to give me a new heart of Davidson tomorrow. Some people interpret that verse, well, whatever you want, God's going to give you. No, God who knows is going to give us what's best for us. He gives us always, God always gives us the best gifts, what we need. Isaiah 58, 14, thou shalt delight thyself in the Lord. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for thy mouth of the Lord has spoken it. This commandment also, first, because everything must begin with God or it will eventually fail. You must put God first in your business. Must God be first in their church. God must be first in our family. God must be first 
in everything that we do, if we do not put God first, it will fail. It will fail. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God was there in the beginning. Numbers 3.13, because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smell the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hollowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord. The firstborn are God's. Deuteronomy 26, verse 2. Thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt put it in a basket, and shalt go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. We know these words, these verses are very familiar to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 22, 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Again, God is to be first. God, the Lord God is to be first. The head of the home, the chief person in our church, our choices, our children, the leader of our love, our loyalties, paramount in our plans, in our priorities, supreme in our services, and our sacrifice, the ruler in our relationship. He is to be first. God must be first. He doesn't want to be second. He's all in all. He's everything to us. Do you want God to be, do you want to, you want to be God? Do you want God to be God in your life? Think about Hannah. She, uh, we're, as we're talking about Mother's Day, what a, what a great mother Hannah was. Why? Because she put God first in her life. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. Why? Because she wanted a child. In her agony, Hannah knew where to take her burden. She didn't go to the physician. She, she didn't go to some witch like Saul would later on. She went to the Lord. Where do you go when you need help? Well, dear friend, I pray you go to the first place. is not to the phone, but to your knees. Because the one person that can help you more than the person on the phone, more for the person on the internet, is God. It's God. I see people making all type of decisions, and they finally get to the end of it, and they say, they say well, I guess I better pray about it. <laughs> I guess I better pray about it. Well, if you, if finally, you've come to the place where you figure out where nothing else has worked. I guess I better get down on my hands and knees and actually pray. No, dear friend, don't let that be the last thing. That should be the first thing. Seek ye first the Lord. Pray to him first. Go to him first. Ask him first. It might save you a whole lot of money and time and expense. Seek ye first the Lord. And she did. For Samuel 1 11, she vowed a vow. And said, O Lord of the host, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a, a man-child, then I will give unto him the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no rage come upon his head. She makes a vow to the Lord. She makes a commitment to the Lord. And those are good things to do, to make commitments to God, to make choices, to make decisions for God. And she says, we see in 1 Samuel 1, 24, and she had weaned him. She took him up with her three bullocks and the ephah of flour and a bottle of wine, brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. What she said she was going to do, she did it. Sometimes when we get in difficult situations, we say, Lord, if you'll only save me, I'll never, ever do it again. Five minutes later, we're doing the same old thing because God just saved us out of it. 
Those are foxhole decisions. Those are not good decisions. She was in desperate need to the place. Remember? <laughs> the priest, Eli thought she was drunk. She was so weary. She wasn't drunk. She was in heaviness of spirit because she wanted a child. God gave her a child. And when he did what she asked, she answered the prayer. She obeyed and gave Samuel to the Lord. And that's how we should be. She keeps her promise. We live in a society primarily today that is anti-God and atheistic. And really doesn't want to have anything to do with God. Our state schools, many of our schools like Harvard, Princeton, which started out as seminaries. Now, <laughs> they want nothing to do with God whatsoever. Remember, a lot of this came back, many of you remember the 60s and 70s. Remember Madam, Madeline Mer Murray O'Hare? Remember her? She had a few kids by a few different men. One of them was named William. One of them was named John. William, she took to school in Baltimore. And when she took him to school, she walked inside, and they were saying the Lord's Prayer. Oh, how horrible. They weren't beating each other up. They weren't beating up the teacher. They weren't fighting. They weren't worrying about who's transgender, who's a cat, or who's a woman, who's a man. They weren't talking about any of that stuff. God forbid they were saying the Lord's Prayer. And she got mad about it, and she went to ultimately, she wasn't all that intelligent, but she had one thing going for her. She had, she had determination, and she fought and fought and fought and fought. And so they had this idea, as a lot of people do today, the separation of church and state, dear friend, the, church, the phrase separation between church and state is not found in the Constitution of the United States. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. Do a little study on that. Go back and home and study where that, actually that phrase comes from. Study it. It's not actually in there. Obviously, our country didn't want to make a state religion as they did in England. We saw how that failed, right? That's why they left England. They were fleeing persecution because they didn't want to be told, you have to worship God this way. We should have the freedom of religion, and we still have that most of the time. Most of the time. But she fought and fought and finally went to the Supreme Court, and I think it was an eight-to-one decision to, to take God, Bible reading, and prayer out of schools. Have things gotten better in school since then? Well, just pick up your newspaper. See what's going on in the high schools down here. See what's going on in the middle schools down here. See what's going on. It's like a war zone. How any teacher teaches in public school today, I don't know how. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. But you got God and the Bible out of the school. Interesting enough, you didn't hear anything about her. And I didn't know this just recently. She had started an organization about atheist, American Atheist Society. In the 1995, a group of those people took her, one of her sons, and a granddaughter, took all of their money, because if you don't believe, thou shalt not steal, just take your stuff, and they dismembered them and buried them in West Texas. Because if you don't believe there's no other gods, if you don't believe thou shalt not murder, why not just live like animals and dogs and take all your stuff and kill you? And that was the end of Miss O'Hara. How horrible, how horrible. But dear friend, 
When there's no rules and there's no law, that's what happens. It's chaos in the land. And what's happening to America? Watch news for five seconds, five seconds, or five minutes, and you know what you'll look up and say? If, you're any, if you have any sanity about yourself, all you could say is, this is chaos. This is chaos. From the top to the bottom, this is chaos. Why? Because they decided not to follow these ten important laws. Consider his position. Second, consider his principles. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God is our, is our God. He becomes, he becomes your God when you invite Christ as your, as your Savior. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 20, we shall know that the Son of God has come and hath given us understanding that we may know him that is true. We are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, eternal life. To have God, to be God, to us is to acknowledge him as God. In other words, Lord, you are my God. We see that throughout the scripture. Psalms 96 verse 5. For all the gods of the nation are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. 1 Corinthians 8 4. It's concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which are offered in idols, offered and sacrificed unto idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. There's only one God. And that is the Lord God, the God of the Bible. Secondly, to have God as our God is to choose him. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, they on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose lands you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice. It's a daily choice. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment moment choice. Am I going to serve God, this God, or am I going to serve me? Is this God, am I going to be, am I going to be the, the God over this God? Is this God going to serve me, or am I going to serve him? Am I going to place myself in authority over God? In my own mind? In my own choices? In my own decision making? Or am I going to let God lead me? Now, if you've lived very long, you know living, to your, living your own way is just, is just destruction. You've, some of you have tried it. You've shared with me your testimonies that you tried to go your own way. And it was just pain and sorrow and regret. It's failure. That's why we have to regularly choose God. To have God, to be God is to acknowledge him as God. To, to have God as our God is to choose him. Thirdly, to have God as our God is to give him adoration. Again, it goes back to choosing to worship him, to fellowship him. Fellowship with him in Psalm 29, verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory will not, will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. He will not share his glory with anything else. Now we say, that's why we sing, to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. It's all about him. D, if you're writing notes, to have God as our God is to fear him. A reverential fear. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 58, thou shalt not, If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in the book, that thou mayest fear thy, this glorious and fearful name, the, the Lord thy God. All words capitalized. Then the Lord will make thy, thy plagues wonderful, and thy plagues of the seed, even great plagues of the long continuance, and sore sickness of long continuance. 
We're to have reverence, respect for him. There should be an awe of him. We'll talk about that more as we talk about his name. We should not want to disappoint him. We should want to please him. He should be the focus of our life. We see that throughout the Psalms. Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah means think about this. Meditate on this. Throughout your week, as you're about to do something you know not you should not do, do you recognize the presence of God and say to yourself, I should not do this? When you're totally alone. Because that's who you really are. You are what you do when no one else is watching you. What do you do? What's that nobody else will know? God knows. God knows. Does that matter? Does that matter? Psalm 20, 25, verse 15, Mine eyes are forever towards the Lord, for he, has shut, he, has, he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is my right hand. I shall not be moved. E, having God as our God, is also to trust him. Because it's a relationship. And every relationship is built on trust. Psalm 141, verse 8, But my eyes are, are unto thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my, leave not my soul destitute. Trusting him involves relying upon his powers, creator, to commit to our chief, committing him to our chief treasures, our soul to him. Psalm 31, verse 5, Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou shalt redeem me, O Lord God of truth. Psalm 62, verse 8, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah, meditate upon this. Think upon this. Do you meditate upon your relationship? Do you think about how you can make it better? Desire it to grow more in your life. Think about ways to enhance your relationship with him. You folks who've been dating relationship or marriage relationship, you think about ways to spend time with them, to do things for them. You men or children who thought about doing something for your mother for the day, you thought about it, I hope. If not, I guess you can call me afterwards. You had a plan. How am I going to do this project for my wife? Or where am I I going to buy that card for my wife? Or where am I going to take my wife to eat? You thought about it. You dwelt on it. You spent your time thinking about these things. So it should be with our relationship with God. It should not be haphazard. It shouldn't be, well, I think I'll read my Bible. I think I'll, I think I'll read this chapter today. No, dear friend, just like you approach everything in life systematically, organized, with a, with a, with a focus, with a purpose, you study the Word of God. That you might be thoroughly furnished that you might be perfected, that you might be mature in the faith. It's, I, I, I've had people come to me and I say, well, I say, say to them, where are you reading the Bible? Well, this week I think I'm reading to Samuel. I, I talk to them next week. Well, this week I think I'm in Proverbs, and I'm thinking, they ain't reading anything. They, they ain't probably ain't reading nothing. If you're reading like that, something's not quite, quite right. Something, by the way, if you haven't put your stars on the, book, on the board, you, that's a good thing, too. It helps you keep accountable. helps us keep track. Are you able to trust him? Sure you are. F, having God as our God is to love him and obey him. The Bible says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. This means before my face or in my sight. 
Deuteronomy 27, verse 15. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven molten image. We'll talk about this more, of course, as we look at the second commandment. An abomination of the Lord, the work of thy hands, of the craftsman, putteth it to secret place. All the people shall answer and say, Amen. False, serving false gods or false idols or false worship is wrong. Doing this is considered forsaking the Lord. We see it in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33. They fear the Lord and serve their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. We look around us and we know the nation, our nation, even though our currency says in God we trust, it's really in gold we trust. It's really in self we trust. It's really in finances we trust. That's what we trust in. We trust in ourselves, primarily. The Roman Empire, you could worship any god you wished as long as you offered incense to Caesar's idol and acknowledge him as God. The Christians could not compromise with this demand, and many were martyred for Christ. I heard a story about Karl Marx. He was a young man. His family moved from Germany to England. He was the Jewish persuasion. They quit going to the synagogue. The young man asked his dad, Dad, why are we going to the Lutheran church? His dad said, well, you know, over here in England, there's not so, not so many Jews at this place. We're going to go to wherever it's more popular. We're going to go where it's popular. Because of that, this young man who had a beginning in his life, had a thirst for God, saw this hypocrisy in his dad because basically he was, his dad was going where he believed, whichever the way the wind blew. You know, one of the reasons we have so much struggles in America is because we, as parents, as fathers, have dropped the ball in teaching the Ten Commandments. But not just teaching them. It's one thing to teach them. It's another thing to live them. What's going on in America today? The results of Marxism. Marxism is what we have today, basically, in wokeism, which means the problem of, of our land is in the ills and issues of society. There's consequences for bad choices. We consider its position. We consider its principles. And finally this evening, consider the portfolio of other gods. What other gods are they? What other gods are they? There are more than idolaters than you, they're more than, they're more than idolaters can think of. That which controls our heart becomes God to us. That which controls our heart becomes God to us. Covetousness makes a God of money and things. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorns. Talking about the explanation of the, of the parable of the, of the seed, the sower of the seeds. He saw that received seed among the thorns. He that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Why can't the seed grow? Because the deceitfulness of riches. The want of things. Because there was want of things, external pleasures, the seed of the gospel cannot grow. Immorality, fornications, make, makes God the pleasure, God, that makes the God a pleasure. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, For this ye know, that no homeowner, no unclean person, nor covetous person, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance of the Christ, of Christ and of God. A person who's perpetually immoral. Oh, dear friend, I would be careful to say I was a Christian. Be careful to say. 
2 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but not in the power thereof. From such, turn away. Luke chapter 8, verse 14, and that which fell among thorns. Again, talking about the application here from the parable of the sower. And they that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. What keeps Christians from having a, a right relationship with God? Covetousness, immorality, pride. Pride causes us trust in our might and our schemes. The Syrians trust in their army and it withered. We read in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 27, And the kings of Israel were numbered, and they were all present, went against them. The children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. It seemed like they would, they would win the battle, but the Bible says in verse 29 of 1 Kings chapter 20, they pitched one over another of seven days, and so it was. In the seventh day, the battle was joined. The children of Israel slew of the Assyrians 100,000 footmen in one day. Why? Because they trusted in themselves. And when, dear friend, when you and I trust in ourselves, it's always failure. When you scheme, when you manipulate, when you can figure out you can outfox God, when you can say, well, I'll take these commandments and I can do with what I want with them. Oh, you can. Because God has given us something called a free will. You can do what you want. But, dear friends, let me say to you, you cannot win the boxing match with God. You won't win. No one in the history of the world has won against God, and you won't be the first one. You won't be the first one to defeat God. You can't. But our pride says, I can do better. I'm smarter. I'm better. We look across the way to that person over across the while. Well, I'm smarter than that person, more spiritual than that person. I can do better. No, no, dear friend. That's just pride. Whenever there's pride, God chooses in his love and kindness to humble us. And that's the best thing he can do for us. Trusting in your civility or goodness makes it a God. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, we are all as unclean thing and all our righteousness, all our righteousness is a wonderful thing. No, Isaiah says all our righteousness before God in of ourselves are as filthy Outside of God, all our righteousness, all our, all, our, all our works, all our charities, all our giving, all that we do is our filthy rags, and we do all, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And ultimately, when we think, well, man, I'm just, I'm just doing good, and my, somehow by just doing good, I'll make it to heaven. No, dear friend, if you don't come to the cross the Bible way, you don't go to the cross at all. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Familiar words, and everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I believe there'll be people in heaven that you never thought would be there. Never thought would be there. But I believe, I believe with all my heart there'll be people not in heaven who sat beside you, who sat in front of you, who you knew, who you fellowship with, who you ate with, who you talked to, who you're related to. 
they thought, I'll get to heaven by doing this. I'll get to heaven by doing that. And they missed the whole thing. They missed it all. Uncontrolled appetites can be a God to a person. This need can be the downfall of many a mighty man or woman. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who, who mind earthly things. They focus on their own appetites, their own, what their own wants, their own flesh, their own desire. What can they do? What can they get? How can they take care of themselves? It's a self-centered, self-focused desire just to please me. But you know what's in that? That's just, that's just regret and sadness and, sad and shame. Joy is when you serve Jesus. Joy is when you serve others and last you, not the other way around. If you're not careful, a, curse, a person in your life can become God. A person can become God. When we put others before the Lord, they can become gods to us. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and follow after him is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Dear friend, you can't make a God of another person. If you're, you love your mother more than God, you've made an idol of your mother. If you love your father more than God, you made an idol of your father. If you love your child more than God, you made an idol of your child. If you love your wife or husband more than God, you made an idol of those people. Oh, dear friend, love God first. Love God first for who gave you your husband, who gave you your wife, who gave you your friend, who gave you your son, who gave you your dad, who gave you your mom. It's God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's all God. It's all His. It's all His. Man called me the other day. Said my son, said his wife, said his daughter, excuse me, get it right. His daughter, his daughter had a son who was 19 years old here in Gainesville. He was out 3 o'clock in the morning. When you're out 3 o'clock in the morning, usually nothing's going on good. He was out playing in the streets 3 o'clock in the morning with his friends. Car hit another truck. Killed a 19-year-old boy. This young lady was raised in church. This man is faithful in church, loves God, loves righteousness, fundamental, independent, Baptist man. Daughter won't won't darken the door of the church. Why? It's God's fault. No, dear friend, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. But many a woman, many a man, many a person gets bitter when something like that's happened. Totally different. Shelley Hamilton, son, jumps off, I believe, the roof of a building, kills himself. And she writes a book, and I have it on my shelf, how God is good. Tough times will make you bitter. And that's exactly what the devil wants. Or tough times will make you better. This young lady right now, 19-year-old son, is dead. She's bitter at God, hates God, doesn't believe in God. 
What is her life used for now? Just an example of what you shouldn't be. But what's what Shelly Hamilton being used right now? She's still, even though her husband's in heaven, going on with Pastor Pirate, serving the Lord, even though her, her dad just passed away, Frank Garlock, great man of God. She's still serving the Lord because she has a belief. She has a knowledge. She knows no matter what happens to me, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And she's helping people. And she's encouraging people. Have you made another person your God? If that person was taken away from you today, would you come to church next Sunday? Or would you say, God's a sham? God's a joke? That's when, it, that's when it's real, folks. That's when it's real. We make our, what we make our trust, God makes our sham, shame if it's not him. Our security turns to insecurity. Our confidence turns to confusion. If you trust in your schemes, your plans, your wisdom, your abilities to leave God out of these things, don't be shocked if you fail. If you try to do it your way, do not be shocked if it all falls apart, if the dominoes fall, if the cards fall, if it all doesn't work the way you want it to work out. You cannot control this life. As much as you scheme, as much as you plan, as much as you try to maneuver and make things happen just the way you want, God's in control. It may not look like it right now, but let me tell you, he is sovereign and he's in control. We are challenged not to trust in our own way. Jeremiah 9, 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. You know what we should glory in? We know how we have a relationship with God. This, by the grace of God, we're saved today. That we're not in some place of paganism, worshiping some idol or some sun or some moon or some star. We're born in a place in America where we had light, where our parents had light, where our friends had light. And because God in his sovereignty and his providence gave them light, we received the light. And because of that, we have the light of light, Jesus Christ, in our life. We'll be thankful and grateful for there's thousands, yea, millions, billions of people who have not the light of the gospel available to them as we do. That's why we give to missions. That's why we go to door to door. That's why we give because we want them to have the same opportunity as we have, we have. I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight saith the Lord thou shalt have no other gods before me who is God in your life you or Jesus you or Jesus this last Friday morning I just got up got a text from our preacher Pastor Lytell said Tim Hawkins is in heaven I said, the comedian? He said, no, no. Your friend, which you served with for about 30 years, used to be at Cape Coral, used to be in New Hampshire, now is in Tampa, 55 years old. 
wife, two kids, both his kids are grown, married, 55 years old, music pastor, community Baptist church, went to heaven. Heart attack, Thursday night. Wow. So I started looking, Googling 25 foods that lead to heart attack. <laughs> cola, number one, cola. Fries, pizza, sports drinks, everything I love is on that 25 list of things I shouldn't eat. I get up, get my sh shirt and shorts on, and walk around the block. <laughs> it's, mother, it's Mother's Day today. My wife wants, what she want? Pizza. What kills, what kills preachers? Fried chicken and pizza. <laughs> and I go for my fourth piece, and my daughter takes it out of my hand and says, no more, Dad, no more. <laughs> we want you to stick around. And I was in Publix yesterday, and Edie's was calling to me, buy one, get one. Oh, that's what happened to other gods before me. The Krispy Kreme, the sweeteners, the sugar. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We don't know how long we have in this life. But however we have, however we have, may by the grace of God we choose Jesus today. He preached Wednesday night, about a 10 minute sermon, Lamentations chapter 3, on the faithfulness of God. Thursday, he saw face to face his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear friends, that could be any of us this week. If this was my last sermon, if this was your last time sitting in those chairs, could it be said of you in your totality of your life, oh, we fail, we all fail, but could it be said of you in totality to sum up the equation that you chose to focus on Jesus? And you could say, there's been no other God but the God of the Bible. Could you say that? In all honesty. And could the Lord God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now the joy of the Lord. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you do for us. Oh God, help us to have no other God but you. It's so easy to worship self. So easy to worship pleasures. It's so easy to worship entertainment things that do not matter. So easy to worship other people, have other loves, family, friends. But we, may we put you first. First, must we know, must know you. It has to be a relationship. I pray everyone in this room has a relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, dear friend, do not play the game. Come to church doesn't make you a Christian like being in garages make you a car. You're saved by the grace of God or you're not saved at all. 
Are you saved today? Do you know that you know Christ is your Savior? Has there been a time in your life where you know you asked him to save you, you admitted your sins, you confessed your sin, you repented of your sin, and you asked Christ to save you? If not, would you come and let me or my wife, Brother Pete, some other person, take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can be saved? I beg you to do so, but maybe you're here tonight and say, I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling about who's God in my life. Maybe you got this other thing. You got this other habit. You got this other hobby. You got this other person. You got this other passion. You got this other love that's become more than God to you, whether it be person or plaything, habit, hobby, work, relationship. Has something come up in your life that you love more than Jesus Christ and you're honest about it? It's the only way to change is to be honest about it and say, Preacher, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest tonight? I'm struggling with some things. Would you pray for me? It's hard to admit, isn't it? But if you're honest, we probably all struggle. Preacher, would you pray for me? There's some area in my life I'm struggling with. I'm getting, I'm getting defeated. I'm not finding victory. I'm, I, I'm worshiping at it. I'm bowing down to the altar of it. Whatever it may be, you're loving it more than you're loving God. Preacher, I'm struggling tonight. Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest tonight? Let's stand to our feet as the music plays. If God, through the Holy Spirit, has spoken to your heart, would you come? You can make a decision right there at your, where you're standing, but maybe just to come to this old altar and say, God, help me. I'm struggling with this temptation. 